Welcome to episode 8 of the Take the Candy podcast. I'm your host, John Anthony. And yes, I know, it's been four weeks in a row at 2 and 3. I guess it's better than 0 and 5, but it's not what you're here for, and it's not what we're trying to bring you. Our system has been giving us strong signals over the last two weeks. We expect we're right on the edge of cashing in on a big week. So stick with us. It's episode eight of the Take the Candy podcast. Before we get to your five picks for this week, I have to remind you that if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. And now, without any further wait, let's get our DJ ready. Run that music, baby. We head out to Heinz Field for the matchup between the visiting Denver Broncos and the hosting Pittsburgh Steelers. The spread as I record the pod is the Steelers as a one-point favorite. That's Pittsburgh minus the one. The Broncos coming into town with a question mark at quarterback. Now, I told you last week we picked against the Broncos. We ended up covering that number. Bridgewater went out in the first quarter with what appears to be a concussion. Still unknown as I record the pod if he's going to play, but it really doesn't matter to me because Pittsburgh's due for a bounce back. They've lost three in a row. They're here at home. This is a 1 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. The Broncos were well-balanced. They were undefeated. And as I told you last week, I'm not going to go through that again. They've only beaten bad teams. Baltimore was kind of reeling, but Baltimore came in, got the job done. Whether you want to blame that on Teddy B getting hurt or not, it's just a mat. It's just the fact Pittsburgh's 1-3, lost by 10 to uh, the Packers last week. And they really haven't done much since they beat Buffalo in the opener. As I told you, they've lost three in a row. So Pittsburgh's got to find a way to get back on track. They played poorly leading up to this game. And the Denver defense is only allowing an average of about 12 points a game. And Pittsburgh's only scoring about 17 a game. So it sets the table, obviously, for a low-scoring matchup. I think if Drew Locke plays, this game is a steal at the current spread. So I I suggest you go out and get Pittsburgh laying the one right now as I record this pod. You're hearing this pod, which will be on Thursday because you guys are loyal and you listen once I drop the damn thing on Thursday. So go out and get Pittsburgh minus the one. I think Denver's going to be without Teddy B. But even with them, I don't. I, I'm expecting Pittsburgh to bounce back, especially here at home. Denver still has not proven that they could beat a good team, and whether you want to blame that on Bridgewater going out or not, they haven't proven that. And Bridgewater's never been a guy who's shown that he could be a good, beat a good team in his career. So I think Pittsburgh is going to do enough to win this game at laying the one point. You're basically taking it as a pick'em. And if I got a Denver team coming into Heinz Field with a question mark at quarterback, this is a no-brainer for me. Give me Benny Roethlisberger coming back and finding a way to right the ship in Pittsburgh like they always do. And this is going to be the game that they start turning their season around. I think Tomlin's going to have the boys fired up, and it always helps to be playing in front of the uh, the the terrible towels or whatever they call it over there in Pittsburgh. So the pick in this one is give me the Steelers laying the one. Yeah, you got it. I'm headed back to Nebraska for this next pick. We got the Michigan Wolverines 
coming in to Nebraska to play the Cornhuskers. The spread as I record the pod is Michigan minus three and a half. That's Michigan as a three and a half point favorite. The game kicks at 730 Eastern. It's an ABC game. It's going to be a big, big 10 game. You know my feelings on Nebraska. I've been preaching them to you since we started, and I had to eat crow a couple times with Nebraska, with Martinez, who looks like he figured it out, with Frost, who looks like he's figuring it out. But this Michigan team is going to be a new set of problems for Nebraska. Michigan uh, on the line. Offense and defense is rock solid. They keep a nice, balanced offense that has done them credit. Now, they had trouble running against Rutgers. They had trouble running against Wisconsin. And you could say what you want about Rutgers, but they're, they're stout up front. I don't think Michigan is going to have the same issue running the ball in this one. The offensive line is not making mistakes. There's not a lot of penalties. And I just look for that offensive line to dig in in this one and really get a push to allow that run game to take up. Michigan leads the nation in the fewest tackles for loss, and it's second in sacks given up. So that, to me, signals one of the best O-lines in the business. At quarterback, Cade McNamara has been playing well. He hasn't had to force throws. He hasn't had a lot of pressure. So they have not turned the ball over. I don't look for that to to change in this one. Nebraska defensively does not force takeaways. They just don't do it. The Husker offensive line to go to the other side of the ball has given up the most sacks per game of anyone in the Big Ten. But there's a caveat there because our boy Adrian Martinez likes to move around, which has led to some sacks that they shouldn't have. He's done some RPOs where he's been sacked behind the line of scrimmage. So that's going to increase their number. The Michigan defense has not faced a dual threat quarterback like Martinez. And yes, he is starting to get things going. He's averaging over 200 yards passing a game. And obviously we know his skill on the ground. He's hitting his passes at almost 70%. This guy seems to have found it. He's great. He's been great on third down and As a team, they've been great on time of possession. Those things go hand in hand. That offense is averaging more than 500 yards a game. That is a ton of yards a game. But here's the deal with those numbers. It takes Nebraska at least 500 yards to win a game. And that's not hyperbole. That's not me just throwing out a number and telling you that. Here here are the stats. Nebraska, 7-1 over the last three seasons when it gets 500 yards of offense or more. When they don't, they're 4-14, and including 0-3 this year. Michigan's not going to allow 500 yards. There's no doubt in my mind. I think that Nebraska's going to be lucky if they get the Michigan defensive average, which is a little under 300 yards a game. And that Michigan D hasn't allowed 500 yards since 2015. This is not going to be a spectacular game. It's going to be a a lower scoring game. That's why I'm not the happiest that I got to give up three and a half points. But Michigan is just the better team right now. They don't make mistakes. They're strong where they need to be strong. And I think Cade McNamara is going to do what he can to get this game into a manageable spot for Michigan. And they're going to move on to six and oh, and they're going to do it by more than three and a half. So the pick in this one is Michigan minus three and a half.
heading out to Arizona State U for the matchup between the visiting Stanford Cardinal and the Arizona State University Sun Devils. This is going to be an interesting Pac-12. This is a Friday night game. Okay, it's a Friday night game. 10.30 Eastern is the kickoff being played in Tempe. The spread as I record the pod is Arizona State minus 12 and a half. That's Arizona State has a 12 and a half point favorite. Now, we'll start with the visitors. We know they rallied to beat Oregon last week. And we know that's a huge win. It was a wild game. And Stanford found a way to win it in overtime. And that pretty much, it's pretty much going to destroy Oregon's playoff chances. This Stanford team has been undervalued pretty much all season. Now, we know what happened early. They had trouble scoring in week one against Kansas State. They switched quarterbacks, went to McKee, and McKee has been excellent. A sophomore, he's averaging about eight yards a throw. Last week, he was 20-36 for 230 and three tutties and didn't turn the ball over. Nathaniel Pete on the ground ran for about 80 yards last week, and they got Higgins on the outside who caught who caught about six or seven balls last week. They were Stanford was outgained in that game against Oregon, but they won the turnover battle, which I know we always talk about and it's cliche, but it's so important. Oregon also committed 10 penalties for about 100 yards, which was which was big, and we all know the questionable PI that was called in the end zone at the end of regulation. But this Stanford team is resilient. It's the mark of a successful team. They're three and two against the spread to start this season. They have the outright win, obviously, over Oregon. They have an outright win over USC as a big underdog. And the overs are two and three. So they're kind of playing at the over underline in this game. They look terrible in week one against K-State. But now everything is trending in the right direction. This is a spot, as many people will call it, a letdown game, right? They just had a big win against Oregon. It's emotionally draining, and this is a spot for a letdown. That's probably why this spread keeps jumping up. A lot of people I know are on Arizona State. The public's going to be Arizona, be on Arizona State, but we're going to fade the public in this game. The Stanford Cardinal is going to be too much for Arizona State. Now, do I think Stanford is going to pull off another upset? No, I think that would be asking a lot of this team. But I do see them finding a way to cover this double-digit spread, and we're almost talking about two—we're almost talking about two touchdowns. The spread is 12 and a half. It may even tick up to 13. So just keep an eye on it. But take it anyway, because there's no way that Stanford is going to lose this game by double digits. Now, as far as Arizona State. They've had some good wins. I mean, the UCLA win is a good win. I don't think UCLA has really showed who they are. I think they've been very suspect in some games, and they've been great in others. And that UCLA game, they they didn't look good. I'm not sold on Arizona State. I think they're a solid team, but I don't think that they're a, a two-touchdown favorite over Stanford, who I think is trending in the right direction. So I'm not calling this a money line winner, but watch out for Stanford because they're hot. I think with McKee at QB, he's going to make plays. I know they're on the road. I know it's a Friday and I'm 0-2 on this podcast when picking Friday games. So I'm due for a W in this one. So the pick, without further ado, is Stanford plus the 12 and a half. Keep an eye on that number. It may tick up to 13, but get it while you can. It's Stanford plus 12 and a half on the Friday night. 
next head out to Minnesota where the Detroit Lions are coming into town to play the Minnesota Vikings. The game kicks at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. The spread as I record the pod is Detroit plus nine. That's Detroit as a nine point dog. And I know I gave you Detroit last week and it fell flat. Chicago beat them on the field and they couldn't cover the number that they were getting. Detroit's 0-4, but here's the deal. Last week in the loss to Chicago, Detroit had so many chances to score. So many chances to score. And yes, I get it. They didn't cash in on any of those chances. I understand that. However, they had the ball last week inside the red zone, okay? Inside the red zone, inside the 10-yard line of Chicago five times on Sunday, and they only scored seven points. That's almost impossible to get down there five times and only score seven points. There were two fumbles, two turnovers on down, and it was those turnovers inside the Chicago 10 that led to Chicago jumping out to that 14-0 lead, and then it was it was all it was all lost at that point. But the Lions really have not looked that bad. We know two weeks ago they lost on the, the field goal, and we know last week they lost to Chicago. I get it. But the reason this spread is currently at nine is because of the record, not because of the performance. I think Goff has done enough for this team to look good. Now, on the other side, the Vikings, they lost 14-7 last week. Their offense couldn't really do anything. Now, I understand they're not going to be facing the same type of D, but the Vikings, but Cousins, you never know what you're going to get with that young man. You never know what he's going to give you. And to be laying nine points, and this may even tick up, this spread opened a lot lower and people are just banging everything against the Lions because they just can't prove themselves. Last week, a lot of people had the Lions, but that was because they were betting against Chicago, including us. Now, people are betting against the Lions. So instead of taking Mini in this game like we did last week, we're actually taking the team that looks good on the field and just not has converted when they get inside the 10-yard line. But there's no way they're going to get down there five times and only score seven points again. It just won't happen. This is the NFL. The fact that Detroit is getting there and just had trouble cashing in last week, they're going to find a way to cash in this week. And guess what? They don't need to even cash in that many times because they're getting nine and a half points or nine points right now in this game. That line may tick up, so keep an eye on it. But hell, I'm sticking with Detroit. I'm sticking with them over there, shooting out kneecaps or, or whatever Skip wants to say. So give me Detroit in this one, getting the nine points. They're going to keep this one within a touchdown. We had to go big with our Take the Candy special here in Episode 8. And we're heading out for the Red River rivalry. Try and say that fast. It's Oklahoma versus Texas. The game's being played at the Cotton Bowl out there in Dallas. And it's a noon kick. 
on ABC. This is going to be a great one. The spread as I record the pod is Texas as a three and a half point underdog. That's Texas plus the three and a half. And you already know who we're taking because it's the take the candy special. The pick's going to be Texas. So here's the analysis. Oklahoma on offense has been so-so. They've done whatever they needed to do to win games. They're ripping off yards and points in the game, but they don't look like the Oklahoma that we usually know. And we know in the past they've had a running game, and that's where they have made a shift this year. Rattler is not the running quarterback that Jalen Hurts was, that Kyler Murray was, so they're forced to play a different type of game. Rattler has also not been asked to go and press and make the big play. Instead, we've seen Oklahoma having trouble putting teams away, playing all FBS schools within one score. This spread is too high, in my opinion, because we have not seen Oklahoma have to press and have to do something. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, they're able to get pressure. They're going to be able to stop the run. And that brings us to Texas. You know from early on in this podcast that I told you Bijan Robinson is, is sneaky great. And he's going to be a candidate for the Heisman. And he's proving it. And this is his signature game here. If you talk to anyone, they're going to tell you that Bijan Robinson is going to have trouble running the ball in this game. And if that's the case, they're going to have to rely on Casey Thompson. And he did not look sharp against TCU last week. I know we covered that number. I know we took Texas last week and we covered that number. But Thompson wasn't the reason. Bijan Robinson was. So what happens to Texas when Robinson is not as effective? And that's what you have to be looking at. Now, Sarkeesian has seemed to elect Thompson as his guy. If you recall, he had Hudson Card in, in the first week, and now he's settled on Thompson. And it doesn't seem to be a competition. But Thompson is going to have to stay in this game. He's going to have to make plays. Now, I will say this. If Texas gets out early, if they find a way to get a lead early, then Oklahoma is going to have to press on offense for the first time. We haven't seen them do it. Can they do it? That's to be determined. But in this one, in a rivalry game, with a noon kick, with a Texas offense hitting on some cylinders, not all, but most, I just don't like that Oklahoma is laying three and a half. I can't in my right mind give Texas more than a field goal in this rivalry game. That stuff is candy to me. So what are we going to see here? Is Oklahoma going to rise up? They're going to rip through teams like we expect Oklahoma to do, like they do every year? Are we going to see Texas take a step back in this game like they did against Arkansas? Is is the bright light going to be too bright for Texas? There's a lot of different things that can happen in this game. It's very intriguing to me, but I got to play the hot hand. And the hot hand is Texas. They got pushed to the brink last week and they, they showed up. Bijan Robinson showed up. A lot of people are going to tell you, Bijan's not going to be able to be as effective. I don't buy it. I think he's one of the best backs in the country. I think Bijan finds a way. And I think Casey Thompson's going to make some plays in this game off play action. And I just don't think Rattler is going to be able to do enough to get Oklahoma to the promised land in this game. Which, by the way, remember, for OU is a three and a half point favorite. I just don't see Rattler being able to do enough. I don't see enough from the run game from Oklahoma to keep them balanced. So if Texas gets up on this game early, 
you may have a money line win here. You may have a money line win for Texas. I just think that they're clicking right now, and I think they have something to prove. I think they want to avenge that earlier loss, and I think they're going to do it this week. So the Take the Candy special here in Episode 8 is the Texas Longhorns in the Red River rivalry laying, uh, getting the three and a half. That's going to bring us to the end of Episode 8 of the Take the Candy podcast. You've been chilling with your boy, J.A., And as always, appreciate you guys reaching out within the weeks, uh, reaching out on the weekends for some some tips and advice of things we don't record here in the pod, playing the trivia every Tuesday night when we try and get it out there. We travel a lot, so sometimes it's a little later than others, but we're trying to stay consistent as always getting that trivia out on the Tuesday night. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you sharing and subscribing and telling your friends to tell their friends about the Take the Candy podcast. Shout out to my boys too that contact me from different states that are in the business to give me some uh, some some insider knowledge so I could share it with you guys when I record the pod. So I appreciate it. You guys know who you are out there that have been touching base with me and it's, it's greatly appreciated. And as always, stick with us. The system has been two and three the last four weeks. That's a month of going two and three. We're due to be better. We're due to be better. We're not due to be worse. This system always picks over the course of a season above 50%. That's why I'm a capper. That's why I'm a sharp because that stuff has to be tracked. That stuff has to be known. And right now here in the pod, we're 14 and 12. So we're staying above the 500 mark, but we really need to separate ourselves because over the last month with this two and three records, those losses are creeping up, creeping up. So we got to bounce back. The system is signaling strength, and it has been for the last two weeks. I know our record hasn't changed, but we're due to break out. This is going to be the week, so keep sticking with us. It's the Take the Candy Podcast with your boy, J.A. 